Arthur Smith officially confirmed that Desmond Ritter is the Falcons 2023 starting quarterback. And we're breaking down how much progress this team has shown in building around him. You are locked on Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of the locked on podcast network, your team every day. So, guys, you know me. I'm Aaron Freeman, a.k.a. Mr. Drew, a.k.a. Serious Black, and the very humble host of this illustrious Locked on Falcons podcast, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of the Locked on Sports Atlanta podcast family, your team every day. And we thank everyone that makes this illustrious podcast their first listen each and every day. Of course, you can subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts to get the latest episode as soon as it's available. So guys, later on in today's episode, we'll be talking about a trade back scenario. We'll be talking about the Scotty Miller signing as part of the ongoing conversation about how well this team's offseason and rebuilding this roster has been. But of course, we're going to start things off with officially official. Right with Desmond Ritter for seemingly the third or fourth time on this podcast over the last couple of months. We've talked about Desmond Ritter being the Falcons starting quarterback. But if you were waiting for Arthur Smith himself to say it with his own mouth and use his own words, he did that on Tuesday at the NFL owners meetings where he said the plan is to start Desmond and that's our plan going forward right now. And this should not be seen as a surprise, certainly not to anybody who makes this illustrious podcast their first listen each and every day. We've been talking about this for a number of months, saying that this is the most likely outcome going back three months, six months, even nine months to last summer, that it was likely that the Falcons would be starting Desmond Ritter in 2023 as their starting quarterback. And, you know, throughout that process, we've always mentioned that it wasn't necessarily a foregone conclusion. It was definitely going to happen because we know especially with this organization that plans do tend to change for uh in the future but the plan as arthur smith said for right now is that that is going to be the case come week one now of course in a alternate reality where you know baltimore decides to rescind the franchise tag for lamar jackson maybe we'd have to revisit the possibility of the falcons uh going in a different direction at the quarterback position but we're probably not living in that reality and i don't also think the falcons are really going to be in the market for adding any other quarterbacks to the roster beyond taylor heineke this offseason i've talked about this before in the podcast if you look at the roughly 800 days that arthur smith and Terry Fontenot have been on the job never once in those 800 days have they carried more than three quarterbacks on the roster and they currently have that with Heineke, Ritter and Logan Woodside so I've seen continue to see people putting quarterbacks in their late round mock drafts for the Atlanta Falcons and I think you can kind of drop that now and maybe mock other positions and we'll talk about maybe a a couple of positions that may be uh, potentially on the radar in the late rounds a little bit later on today's episode but again right My official stance on this podcast has been that Desmond Ritter is going to be the starter. That's 
clearly Arthur Smith's stance uh, moving forward. And, you know, I think a lot of people wonder, okay, what is the long-term plan of the quarterback position? That's a fair question to have. And I don't necessarily know the answer. I am optimistic. I am confident that Desmond Ritter will be their Falcons quarterback for the foreseeable future. And the foreseeable future, at least as I define it, is 2023 and probably 2024. Beyond that, who knows? But time will tell. The Falcons will, of course, have the potential to move off of Desmond Ritter at the end of this upcoming season or in the future due to the flexibility that having a cheap quarterback on a rookie contract affords football teams. And I think, as I've discussed a couple of times on the podcast previously, I think this is going to be the general direction for a lot of teams in this league uh, moving forward that if they don't have one of these top five-ish quarterbacks that you kind of want to go for the flexibility play with a cheap and competent you know, player on the rookie contract. So, you know, I will give you guys a heads up. We will continue to talk about quarterbacks on this podcast, possible alternative options. I don't know about you, but, you know, we know what's behind door number one. That's Desmond Ritter. Part of me is a little bit intrigued to see what's behind door number two. It doesn't necessarily mean you have to take the prize. It's just like you're intrigued. So we'll talk about alternate options. In this. We'll talk about the quarterbacks in this uh, draft, even if they're not necessarily going to be options for the Falcons. But obviously, because one of these quarterbacks is going to land in Carolina, we should be trying to get ourselves familiar with this crop of quarterbacks. And certainly in the future, you know, does not preclude us from talking about 2024 quarterback options in the draft and free agency. So I know some of you guys don't want to hear, you know, me talking about any other options outside of Desmond Ritter, but you know, I'm just going to let you know that, you know, live with it. And you know, it's just, we're just peeking behind door number two. It's like, what's going on over there? Okay. Well, I'm, I'm good here. I'm good here, but just, just curious what's behind that door. That's all right. So when it comes to building around your young quarterback or really any quarterback, cause this applies regardless of who you think the Falcons quarterback, whether it was Desmond Ritter, Lamar Jackson, Anthony Richardson, or somebody else, Patrick Mahomes, the same rules apply, but I've broken down before. I think there's four pillars that you're really looking at with building your roster. And that is the first one being running the football well for obvious reasons, because if you can run the ball effectively, that means you don't necessarily have to throw the ball nearly as effectively taking pressure off your quarterback, giving that, quarterback explosive playmakers uh you know and the falcons did that on tuesday signing scotty miller more on that a little bit later uh you want to sort of solidify your offensive line because how is a quarterback going to complete a pass if he's not upright and then of course improving the defense and getting stops on defense and so you know keep the game low scoring so that puts less pressure on your offense and especially your quarterback to have to put points on the board on a consistent basis uh, if you can keep those games low scoring so those to me are the four pillars and we'll talk a little bit later on today's episode about you know how, what progress the Falcons have shown in terms of building those pillars this offseason and moving forward and so again I think that would be true of any quarterback regardless of, of you know who would be lining up. And I think part of the misconception and my contention with a lot of the conversation around the Falcons quarterback situation is the implication that I think a lot of people have that if you went out and got a different quarterback than Desmond Ritter, like you wouldn't have to still have to address these issues. And I think that's been the disconnect that a lot of people have with the Falcons so-called process, which is that the Falcons are more focused on, you know, strengthening these pillars, cementing these pillars, whatever metaphor you want to use than necessarily going out there and finding a quarterback that's going to make these issues go away because no quarterback is going to make these issues go away. Now, certainly, you know, if you have Patrick Mahomes, you can probably mitigate how good your defense needs to be or how good your running game needs to be or whatnot. But we know having explosive playmakers and a good offensive line is certainly critical to a success of even the best quarterback in the league, like a Patrick Mahomes. So 
you know, short of you landing that type of guy, you know, these problems aren't necessarily going to go away. And you're going to watch the Kansas City Chiefs also work towards uh, in improving their defense and improving their running game this offseason as well. So, you know, you didn't hear that from me. So they also believe in these four pillars. But, you know, I, I think the Falcons are making progress. Um, and I, I think the other aspect that people often overlook when it comes to the conversation around the Falcons, you know, making a change at the quarterback position. I think continuity has been underrated by a lot of folks uh, in, in recent weeks and months uh, over the idea of like, you know, continuing to build uh, upon your success from the previous year certainly is worthwhile. When you look at the teams that made the biggest progress in terms of wins from 21 to 22, there were 15 teams that improved their records, uh, you know, last year. And only three of them had a significant change at the quarterback position. That was Seattle, Carolina, and San Francisco. Right. And three out of those five uh, teams that showed the most growth that won five or more games, uh, added five or more wins to their 2021 totals. Jacksonville, New York and Philadelphia were teams that had continuity with a young quarterback and building. The other two teams were teams with veteran quarterbacks, Minnesota. And we know the Minnesota Vikings were frauds this past year. <laughs> so we're, we're removing them from the data set. Uh, you know, they don't they don't necessarily confirm uh, the narrative I'm going for here. But. The Detroit Lions are a great example of a team that went with continuity around Jared Goff, and they didn't necessarily they, – they saw massive improvement for their offense from 21 to 22, and it wasn't because they went out there and made these massive upticks uh, in, in, in roster upgrades on the offensive side of the ball. What the Lions focused on last offseason was improving their defense. It didn't necessarily make a massive jump, but that continuity was key to the Lions' success, You know, adding five, six wins uh, to their total in 2022. And so so I think that's a path that gets underrated. Like you don't have people killing the Lions for like, oh my God, I can't believe they rolled with Jared Goff. Yet you're going to have all these people, you know, ahead of time saying, oh, I can't believe the Falcons are rolling with Desmond Ritter. Or, you know, again, Jalen Hurts is the obvious example, the pinnacle of that uh, when it regards. But, you know, a lot of people are forgetting that they were very skeptical of the, of the Philadelphia Eagles a year ago when they decided to go with Jalen Hurts, not necessarily buying into him uh, 12 months ago. And so I understand skepticism. Of course, anybody who listens to this podcast knows that Locked on Falcons is a safe space for skepticism. It is the home of skepticism, of course, when it comes to the Atlanta Falcons. So I get why people are skeptical that this plan for the Falcons rolling with Desmond Ritter for at least another year, whether or not it is going to lead to success. That makes total sense. Be skeptical. I'm skeptical, guys. But what I take issue with is less about the people that are skeptical and the people that are insistent that this won't work or it can't work simply because of whatever their opinion or low opinion of Desmond Ritter or their high opinion of some other quarterback. And basically my stance on this podcast is we will see if it works or not. But I think there's reasons for you to be optimistic. Um I certainly am. And part of that is owed to, you know, what the team is doing elsewhere on the roster to put their young quarterback and Desmond Ritter in a favorable environment. And we'll revisit those four pillars I just outlined to see what progress the Falcons have made so far this offseason, including uh, addressing the need for a more explosive playmaker at the receiver position by signing Scotty Miller as we continue today's Locked on Falcons.
Guys, the tournament is, you know, heating up and potentially winding down. So there's no better time to go check out FanDuel, America's number one sports book, because new customers get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That means if your first bet doesn't win, you get bonus bets back up to $1,000. Just head on over to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up and claim your no sweat first bet. And then you can wager on anything from money lines to point spreads, you know, to who's ultimately going to win this NCAA tournament. And you can do it on the app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. So don't miss out on your chance to get your no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you join FanDuel today by heading over to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. Make every moment more with FanDuel. So some of this conversation, guys, stems somewhat to, you know, kind of looking at Football Outsiders, which I think is a very good website, but they recently put out their offseason grades of various teams and they gave the Falcons a D plus. And, you know, I, I think Football Outsiders does a lot of great work. We constantly bring them up when we talk about DVOA and, uh, you know, other metrics and whatnot that they have, have come up with. But, you know, I, I think this is not their best work when it comes to this, you know, grading an offseason two weeks uh, into free agency before the draft and all that stuff. I don't think it's fair. And I, I do think somewhat there is a bias here because it's like it's all about the quarterback and, you know, the Falcons didn't make the upgrade at quarterback that so many people wanted them to do. And a lot of people are dismissing the possibility that Desmond Ritter could be good because he's a third round pick. And for understandable reasons, again, I get the skepticism, but the D plus come on, like a C minus, I would have let this go. But some of this stems from, you know, let's, let's talk about, you know, their off season progress uh, by l- looking at those four pillars. And to remind you that's running the football, that's getting more explosive, that's solidifying the offensive line and that's improving the defense. And I think, you know, the thing that the Falcons have made the most progress this off season is improving that defense. It's David Anyamata and Eddie Goldman up front. You have Caden Ellis at the linebacker position. All three of those guys should help, you know, the Falcons, pass rush as well as improving their run defense and of course in the secondary adding jesse bates as a safety position and this is no disrespect to tay davis and mike hughes and re-signing lorenzo carter and, and cornell armstrong certainly i think those guys will be contributors this year capable role players and whatnot but they're not individually going to move the needle a whole lot as much as these other four players and you know i think the falcons have made strides defensively this offseason we hope that they continue to make those strides as we turn ahead our attention to the draft where you still feel like there's work to be done at the edge rusher position at the cornerback position. I think the goal should be going into and coming out of this draft to get starters uh, at both of those positions. Not and that doesn't necessarily have to be a 2023 starter, but like we saw with guys like Richie Grant and Arnold Abiketti and Troy Anderson, guys that even if you just redshirt them for a year, they come out as role players in you know in 2024, you can turn toss the keys to these guys uh, and and feel pretty confident that they will be able to step up in a major way. And so I think that's a box that we hope that the Falcons can certainly check early on in the draft. Then you look at the solidifying the offensive line. I think keeping Caleb McGarry and extending Chris Lindstrom were certainly two big steps to help do that. We still have some concerns at the left guard position. We still have some concerns at the center position. I know for a lot of other, a lot of you guys, you still have a lot of questions about Drew Dolman, but again, I think continuity there will certainly benefit him uh, and growth. And I think the Falcons will still have the options to move in a different direction next year. But one is kind of see rather than constantly churning that position, a key position on the offensive line want to get that continuity there at that position and see if Drew Dalman can grow alongside Desmond Ritter as this team's long-term answer at the center position I think left guards personally is a little bit more of a question mark uh, I don't know if the draft is a great place to get a plug-and-play starter at that position I'm a big fan of North Dakota State's Cody 
Mock, who I think stands out above several other potential candidates to come in and start from day one at that left guard position. Uh, but I think, you know, more than likely, I feel, feel like you feel better about doing that in free agency. We know that free agency is winding down for a lot of teams around the league, including the Falcons, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's over. Uh, they just signed a player in Scotty Miller today. We'll talk about him in a second. Uh, but, you know, we've seen in the previous two off seasons that this regime has made additions, made signed starters in April, right? Rashawn Evans, Deron Harmon, Cordero Patterson are good examples of starters that they have signed in the first week or two of April. So I'm hoping that we get a little bit more clarity at the left guard position in the coming days and weeks and that the Falcons will continue to add at that position. Uh, you know, hopefully they will also work probably more in the draft, but again, free agency is certainly an option for them to solidify their depth at the offensive tackle with what I outlined on, I think yesterday's episode, the need for the Falcons to get a new swing tackle. So I'm kind of in wait and see mode on the offensive line. For me, the explosiveness was the area where the Falcons have done the least amount of work uh, because we know the running game is already solidified. Although I think the Falcons, as I've discussed on previous episodes, could certainly shore that up with more uh, improved depth at the running back position, but they really hadn't done a whole lot to improve the explosiveness. Mac Hollins is not necessarily uh, a guy that's known for his explosive playmaking ability, although he did uh, produce quite a bit. And so I feel very good about the news that the Falcons signed Scotty Miller, formerly of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, on today to a one-year contract. His best year came a couple of years ago in 2020, Tom Brady's first year there, where he had a career-high 33 catches for 501 yards and three touchdowns. A, a significant percentage of that came on downfield throws, about a quarter of his catches, and about 60% of his yards came on 20-plus yard throws, according to Pro Football Focus. That year also marked his most productive year in the slot, which I think is probably Probably where we should pencil in Scotty Miller, given his size, five foot nine, 175 pounds. Although he spent the majority of his time in Tampa Bay playing on the outside, about 75% of his snaps have come on the outside versus 25% in the slot. I do think uh, the Falcons probably envision him more as a, as a slot receiver and probably more as that number three guy behind Drake London, behind Mac Hollins. And so you could see, you know, him and Drake London, especially along with Kyle Pitts, uh, sharing a lot of those slot duties uh, where in 2020, his yards per route run, according to Pro PFF, was 2.23, which was actually higher than Antonio Brown's that season and just behind what Julio Jones did that year in his final year in Atlanta, working out of the slot. So that's a testament to the potential that Scotty Miller could bring with an expanded role. So I like this signing a ton. You get a lot of juice. He ran sub 4-4-40 at his pro day. I've seen various times of 4-3-6, 4-3-9, all that stuff and more. Uh, But he certainly is going to add a lot more juice to this offense. And so I hope to see the Falcons continue to add more explosive young playmakers in their offense uh, in the draft at running back, at wide receiver and elsewhere. But I do feel like Scotty Miller getting another option in here is getting somebody in here that is actually, you know, well-versed in play has been productive in the league and runs, you know, sub four, four or 40 is certainly conducive where the Falcons, I think, you know, Josh Ali and Rashawn Henry, both of whom were on the practice squad were basically the only receivers on the roster that ran faster than like four, five, two, uh, if I'm not mistaken. So, 
this is a great move from my perspective, and we'll see what else the Falcons do to enhance their explosiveness. But again, I feel like the Falcons are making strides. We've talked about, you know, potentially six positions, running back, wide receiver, left guard, offensive tackle, edge rusher, and cornerback that you feel pretty good about the Falcons using, you know, one of their first uh, selections in the first four rounds on where the Falcons have five picks thanks to getting an extra fourth round pick due to the Julio Jones trade. But that's part of the reason why I'm kind of hoping that the Falcons can cross at least one of these positions off the list between now and the draft. And I'm focused primarily at that left guard position. I had a listener ask me on a recent Q&A, the, what free agent would you sign? And I basically said Elijah Wilkinson. And whether it's Elijah Wilkinson, whether it's Matt Filer, formerly of the Chargers, Dalton Reisner of the Broncos, Ode Abushi, who I think was with the Lions most recently, last year if i'm not mistaken um or was maybe with the lines the previous year um you know one of these sort of veteran left guards that at least gives you an option to sort of you know have another option other than matt hennessy because you know right now if the season were to start tomorrow you know Jalen mayfield would probably be your top backup option in the event of an injury to matt hennessy who probably would be your starter at least at this point i'm bringing somebody in there that can compete with matt hennessy that is not Jalen mayfield i think would be very beneficial i'm sure many of you guys would agree with that sentiment but again i think the falcons are making progress we'll see what they do in the draft i think there's moves to be made between now and the draft particularly on the offensive line but then of course in the draft at a variety Variety of positions and then we can kind of look back you know once we get to may and whatnot and really give a more accurate reflection of, okay how well did the falcons really sort of put um you know pieces around their quarterback regardless of whether we consider it to be desmond ritter or somebody else that's to me where we can really judge the offseason but you know, one way that the Falcons can get more assets in order to use on some of these positions in the early rounds may be trading back in the draft. And we got a question from a listener about that potential scenario and possibly getting a future first round pick just in the event that Desmond Ritter is not necessarily the guy where the Falcons could be in a position to go and get another quarterback next year. And we'll break that down as we wrap up today's Locked on Falcons podcast. But as I look at the calendar, guys, I see opening day is literally just right around the corner it's like a day away as many of you guys are listening to this and so if you want to get the inside scoop on what's going on with the atlanta braves make sure you check out the locked on braves podcast wherever you get your podcasts so guys wrapping up today's episode we have a listener question from keegan he sent it via email to lockedonfalcons at mail.com and of course you can send in your questions or provide whatever feedback that you want at that email address as well so keegan writes big fan of the show this is my first time submitting a mailbag question so i hope you think it's a worthwhile one with all the talk of the falcons trading up and staying put in the draft i've heard little commentary about them trading down let's say all the top edges the top cornerback and jalen carter are off the board and one or two of the quarterbacks are sitting there at eight should the falcons trade back to acquire more picks and how far would they have to go to get another first rounder for next year i'm just thinking of a player like Bijan or another good edge vaness or nolan smith for example could be available in the middle to late teens this would give the falcons ammunition in next year's draft if desmond is not the answer at quarterback just curious about your what your thoughts are on this thanks from keegan so this is a great first question uh, for you, Keegan, because we're going to spend probably the next 10 or so minutes breaking it down here on the podcast. So I think trading back has certainly always been an option. My stance always is kind of 
reluctantly engaging that because it takes two to tango and you're just kind of, you know, it's back at the middle school dance where you're just kind of hanging out by yourself, you know, looking across the hall, like, Hey, is anybody, you know, anybody want to, you know, like that's kind of how it is. And so you, you can't get too, too overzealous talking about trade back scenarios, but looking back at recent history, you know, the odds aren't necessarily in the Falcons favor, but as you outlined uh, trading back for, you know, a team coming up for one of those quarterbacks in the scenario that you outlined where one of those guys is still available at eight makes a ton of sense. We know that top 10 trades are not a uh, common historically. Most of the time it comes for quarterbacks went back to 2012, uh, the last 11 drafts, and there were 19 trades involving top 10 picks in those spans not counting where teams traded for a veteran player like russell wilson for example this past year uh and eight of those 19 uh almost half or slightly less than half right involved a quarterback right uh and those eight quarterbacks were trey lance sam Darnold, josh allen mitchell trubisky patrick mahomes jared goff carson wentz and rg3 right and seven of those eight have occurred uh involving uh, quarterbacks in the last seven drafts so clearly that has been the trend in recent years now the for the uh, remaining 11 four involved a wide receiver that was Devonte smith sammy watkins tavon austin and justin blackman two were edge rushers Deion jordan and Lennon floyd two were corners justin gilbert and morris claiborne one offensive lineman and jack claiborne uh jack conklin i'm sorry one linebacker and devin bush and one running back in trent richardson so clearly teams are prioritizing these sort of um you know polar p- pillar positions quarterback edge rusher wide receiver corner right uh you know no left tackles jack conklin was a right tackle or whatnot so uh clearly those are tend to be the positions that teams are willing to trade up for and as i said these top 10 trades have not been as common in recent years of those 19 trades 16 of those occurred from 2018 2012 to 2018 right and so that means only three of these trades have actually happened in the last four drafts and that involved trey lance Devontae smith and, and devin bush right so, I, again, I think the scenario that you outlined with a quarterback on the board, that to me makes it much more plausible that a team will come up. If not, then it's unlikely. And when you look at the sort of uh, the precedent set for getting a future first round pick, you know, obviously you probably take trades like RG3, Jared Goff, Carson Wentz, Trey Lance, all of those players were taken to the top three thus there was a higher premium for getting up that high in the draft and you look at some other uh trades you look at the patrick mahomes trade to a lesser extent you look at the deshaun watson trade that happened later in that first round where he was taking 12th overall right kansas city went from 27 to 10 to get mahomes they gave him a future first as well as a third in that 2017 draft houston went from 25 to 12 gave up a future first to get uh deshaun watson and then you go more recently in 2018 buffalo went from 12 to 7 to get Josh Allen and they gave up two second round picks in that regard so presumably based off of that precedent you're probably going to have to move back more than like five spots to get a future first round pick like Buffalo or or like uh, Tampa Bay I think it was traded back with Buffalo with the Josh Allen trade and more likely I think again a, a safe estimation is that if you want to get a first round pick a future first round pick you're probably going to move back 10 to 15 spots uh and so when you look at some of the players that you mentioned B. John robinson the running back from texas uh lucas vanessa pass rusher from iowa nolan smith the pass rusher from georgia and i go to websites like nfl mock draft database.com that sort of collect all the mock drafts and sort of project uh take the average of where guys are being projected B. John robinson is 11th in their sort of consensus uh projections lucas vanessa is 17th nolan smith is 20th so 
slightly ahead, uh, certainly in Bijan's case, because again, we're projecting, say, the Falcons have to move back in that 18 to 25 range in order to move back. Um, and so that's not necessarily saying that team people are projecting Bijan 11th overall to the Tennessee Titans. It's just more that there are 10 other players that are consistently being mocked ahead of Bijan. So that's why he is 11th at this spot. I think actually the 10th overall draft selection with the Eagles is probably the most common uh, projection for Bijan based off of NFL mock draft database.com. But looking at that 18 to 25, 26 range in terms of potential prospects that could be on the board based off of NFL mock draft databases at 18, they have Broderick Jones, the offensive tackle from Georgia 19. They have Brian Branch, the safety from Alabama. Nolan Smith again is 20th, uh, the edge rusher from Georgia. 21 is Jordan Addison, the wide receiver from USC. 22 is Michael Mayer, the tight end from Notre Dame. 23 is Brian Brissy, the D tackle from Clemson. Kalijah Canty, the great from Pittsburgh, uh, the D tackle uh, is 24. Dalton Kincaid, the tight end from Utah is 25. Deontay Banks is 26, the cornerback from Maryland. So it does feel like, you know, Banks makes a ton of sense if the Falcons are looking for a corner. Nolan Smith, as you mentioned, uh, makes a ton of sense if they're looking for an edge rusher. If they're looking for an interior pass rusher like Brian Brissey, I don't know if Kalijah Canty has quite the size that we're looking for at that position, but certainly uh, would be an option there for uh, the team. You know, some players that are being projected to go higher than that, that I, I could see maybe sliding a little bit in the draft, maybe not all the way to that point. You know, I don't think Bijan's going to go in the top 10. I think he'll probably slide. I'm very skeptical of the Eagles taking him at 10. And if they don't take him at 10, you know, he could slide into the 20s, potentially. Another player, uh, Devon Witherspoon, the cornerback from Illinois, will probably wind up talking about him on a very future uh, mock draft Monday. So I don't want to necessarily give all my takes, but I've recently watched more film of Witherspoon and I'm not as high on him as a top 10 sort of option for the Falcons as before and I I could certainly see a scenario where he does fall into the middle teens maybe not to the 20th pick or something like that but we'll sort of have to see Joey Porter Jr. the cornerback from Penn State is another corner that's projected to go higher that maybe could slide Miles Murphy the edge rusher from Clemson could also you know his his projections are all over the place like you see him in the top 10 you see him falling out of the first round in some people's mind I think Michael Kuyper put out a mock draft recently where he was not a first round selection so all of these players are potential options so I think it makes sense for the Falcons to look back and trade back for me personally like the co- player that I have is the apple of my eye at the eighth over selection is Jalen Carter um you know we'll see if the Falcons uh take him there we'll see if he even slides there but he's kind of the guy that I dream about and basically Basically, in my scenario where I'm, you know, running the war room uh, with Terry Fontenot locked up in the closet somewhere, you know, I'm waiting to see if Jalen Carter falls to us at eight. And if he doesn't, then I'm probably picking up the phone and exploring my options. Doesn't mean that I'm out on any of these alternative options. Sort of my unofficial stance, at least sitting here today at the end of March, is that. You know, because I expect four quarterbacks to go in the top seven, I feel reasonably confident that between Tyree Wilson, the uh, defensive end from Texas Tech, or Christian Gonzalez, a cornerback from Oregon, one of those two guys will be there at eight. And that's probably my best bet for the Falcons pick at that eighth overall draft selection. Um, but frankly, for me, you know, I would feel certainly open to the idea of trading back and and getting a future first round pick in 2024. I don't feel like the drop off from Wilson to the next edge rusher, uh, presumably miles Murphy, if you ask me or Gonzalez to Weatherspoon or Joey Porter is so massive that I would turn down getting a future first round pick, or even maybe adding a second or a third round pick 
uh, in addition, depending on how uh, that goes. So, you know, I, I think certainly uh, a trade back makes a ton of sense. So I hope that answers your question, uh, Keegan. But, you know, I think the odds of that are pretty low, right? I, You know, you, you're betting basically on a quarterback being there. And I don't think the odds are great there. Like, let's say 20, 25%, maybe pulling that number out of my butt. And then the odds of another team trading up for a non-quarterback at that eighth overall selection seems to be probably be less than 10%. Although I guess Jalen Carter might be sort of the, the rare sort of exception to that rule, although we haven't necessarily seen a interior D lineman uh, get picked or, or a team move up that high to get an interior D lineman. So we'll have to sort of see how it all plays out. So I'm certainly open to the Falcons trading back, but we'll just sort of have to see if it works out that way. So I hope that answers your question, Keegan. We'll, you know, continue talking about the Falcons offseason and whatever other moves are on the horizon as the rest of the week unfolds. And of course, there's a great opportunity for you guys to submit your questions via email like Keegan did at LockedOnFalcons at mail.com. You can leave a comment here on Locked On Falcons YouTube channel. You can hit me up in the Locked On Falcons Discord. You link in the description below. And of course, you can always hit me up on the social media networks like Twitter and Facebook at Locked on Falcons. And of course, make sure you check us out as your first listen uh, wherever you get your podcast. And for your second listen, make sure you check out Locked on NFL Scouting with the Draft Dudes where hosts Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino are taking you through all what it takes to build a successful NFL franchise every single day. Find the Locked on NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes wherever you get your podcast and on YouTube. It's all part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. 